FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. And a special shout-out to all those listening in Warburton, Victoria, on 88.0, Lara, Victoria, on 88.0, and Ocean Grove, Victoria, also on 88.0. And a special shout-out to anyone who's listening in... Mm-hmm. 6th of October City. Did you know that there is a city called 6th of October? No. Yes, I, I, I don't know anything. I don't know whether we have any listeners there or not. They, of course, can listen online. Maybe they are. If there is somebody listening from 6th of October City. Where is that? Egypt. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But why? I, I don't know. I need to, somebody who is Egyptian needs to let us know why is there a city named 6th of October City? But it's the 6th of October today, so I imagine they are having special celebrations mm. there about something. Sure. Sounds, they, it, they're going off right it, now. It, it's it, like, hey, it's our day. Yeah, it sounds like uh, maybe uh, uh, an Independence Day or something mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. They named a city after it. Maybe someone did just something really cool. Maybe maybe America needs to have a Fourth of July city. Australia needs it. When's our day? Australia Day. We don't we don't know anymore. No, we don't even remember. <laughs> I, we, we There's don't, a public holiday somewhere it, in the, the in yeah, yeah that we will take off. And we can name a city after it. I guess we can rename Sydney. We don't you know. Sixth <laughs> <laughs> of October. There's your piece of random information for this morning. I've, I've been blessed. I I feel like I know more. That's awesome. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the breakfast show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into positively different news, but before we do, every morning we have the first question for our quiz where you can put your name in the hat to win an amazing prize. Lawson, what's our first question today? All right, fill in the blank. Here we go. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the blank... Of the world is enmity with God. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our amazing Revive Cafe cookbooks that we have here. We've got volumes five and six that are full of amazing, incredible, awesome recipes that you will be able to. Get for free, provided you win the draw, provided you answer these questions. But again, this question was, ye, let me read it from the NIV, actually. You adulterous people, don't you know that blank with the world means enmity against God? 0491-064-669, fill in that blank. All right. Lawson, let's have some positively, positively different news this morning. Positively different news. In fact, we're going to be talking about the most positive, greatest location, I would say actually greatest state in the whole world. We're going to be talking about one of the one of the greatest places where Tasmania. anyone could oh, possibly live. I love live. talking about Tasmania. No, we're not talking this about Tasmania. We're talking, we're talking about, about Tasmania. of course, we're talking about Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay right. No, I've yes. never been to Wisconsin, but no. producer Shell is from Wisconsin. And she's celebrating in the, in the producer booth, as you can see. Now, I have an amazing, amazing story that comes from Wisconsin that has to do with ancient artifacts and lakes, which I feel like just 
well, that's fits so much into the what mythos. Mis- what, what, that's what Wisconsin is made of. That's right. It's lakes. It's lakes. Correct. Well, imagine you're this lady. Her name is Tamara Thompson, okay? In November 2021... She is a, you know, researcher, part of the Historical Society of Wisconsin. Uh, She's a maritime archaeologist. And all of a sudden, in Lake Mendota, she finds a canoe. And she realizes that this canoe dates back to, like, 1000 AD. She, She, how does she realize that? Well, they did some dating and some looking at the canoe and just... Okay, so how did she find this canoe? Well, they were doing some research in Lake Mendota. Yes. And they... they just un- found it on the bottom. That's right. It was under the water. Uncovered this canoe. She's pretty stoked. She's like, wow, so this, this is, is a... birch bark canoe. Yeah. So basically, this is made out of one carved out oak tree. So it's a it's it's not a birch bark canoe. It's a dugout canoe. That's right. It is I a dugout. I didn't even know that they made dugout canoes up there. Well, they did. They found it on the bottom of Lake Mendota. There you go. Now this was November 2021, mm-hmm. but then in May 2022, they're researching in Lake Mendota again, and they find another one. And they find another canoe. Now this canoe is a dugout canoe, but it looks significantly different and more decrepit than the previous. Canoe that they found. They just saw that. Oh, this is this is kind of a different looking canoe. Maybe fiberglass. See, no, well, it's not fiberglass. It's also <laughs> made of wood. Uh, but they're like, this one looks different. Let's let's date it. Let's try and find a historical time period for it. And as a result of you know carbon dating, they have come to the conclusion that this canoe is three thousand years old. Well, that would explain why it's in poorer condition. That's right. And so they've found this on the bottom, which I think is, again, amazing for this lady. That's literally her job to make historical artifact finds in maritime spaces. And it's just funny that she found this these two canoes. The first canoe was found in this particular area, and the second canoe was found about 100 yards away. Now, there is a place of skepticism within me. I'm like, okay, you did the carbon dating. Yes, and we all know this- carbon dating. This canoe is 2,000 years older than the other canoe, but what we can see from these canoes is that they're both incredibly old Mm. and are more than likely made by First Nations peoples Yes, to get around the Great Lakes. Most definitely. Which is amazing. It's amazing that people lived up there Mm. in that freezing winters that they have. That's what it ultimately confirmed for a lot of the researchers because the the question is, is like, like they find artifacts and whatnot around the place, but it's like, oh, did people stay up here? Because obviously it gets so cold. It was was Mm. hit like minus 50 or something during Mm -hmm. winter. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they're just finding more and more mounting evidence to prove that, yeah, First Nations people regularly lived up in the Great Lakes area even during winter and they brave the cold and they come up with all kinds of methods to be able to continue to live there that's which is that's phenomenal because that is phenomenal. people well people live there today but again in the 21st century imagine living there 1000 2000 3000 years ago yes like it's just absolutely just wild it's just wild. Okay, I have another new story here. This is an interesting one. It's about the upcoming COP27. So recently we had COP26 in England. We have COP27 coming up that is going to be hosted in Egypt. And the main sponsor for COP27 has been announced to be, get this, Coca-Cola. 
Wait a minute. Yeah, so if for those who One don't, of the greatest polluters on the planet. That's right. If for those who don't know, COP27 or the COP series is a, is a series of meetings where all of the world leaders, and by world leaders, I mean presidents and prime ministers, not just maybe like ecological or leaders. It's all of the world leaders of countries in the world come together to discuss climate action. So maybe instead of Spending money on COP27, they should spend money on cleaning up the Great Pacific Ocean garbage patch, which is mostly theirs. Now, climate activists and whatnot, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm all about saving the climate, but sometimes I think climate activists are a little bit, uh, yeah, misaligned with what it is that the climate actually needs, or what I believe the climate actually means. But climate activists and myself are pretty stunned by the fact that Coca-Cola is sponsoring COP27 as they have been named just last year as the single biggest plastic polluter on planet yes. Earth. Yes, The Coca-Cola yes. company is responsible for more plastic pollution than any other company. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, these questions came to Coca-Cola and they say, well, Coca-Cola shares the goal of eliminating waste and appreciates efforts to raise awareness. And I'm like, they're raising awareness against you. Themselves. <laughs> like, like COP27 and all of the climate awareness and activism is to raise awareness against you. And not, let's, yeah, I'm just, this is doing my head in. Why would you even do such a thing? And you know what else, you know, creates bad climate? Bad health. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. Coca-Cola is also on the forefront of pushing products across the world that are bad for you. I mean, hey, most of the bottled water that you buy mm-hmm. is Coca-Cola owned. Sure. You know, all of your Mount Franklins and those kind of things. I, I think uh, most, yeah, most of your bottled water. I'm not exactly sure on the brands, but most of your bottled water is going to be Coca-Cola owned. Mm. And the big issue here, of course, is that so much of those plastic containers, not just Coca-Cola, but they have so many different brands, so mm. many different brands, and all of that plastic is going into the oceans. It is all floating around. That's right. We are drinking it every day. What do we? The, the last I checked on this was, I think, a couple of years ago now. Uh, when we first started on the breakfast show, every year you drank a credit card's worth of plastic. Then mm. it got up to a fireman's help helmet's worth of plastic. Who knows what we're yeah. up to now? And now it's at the point where they can see. Uh, we've talked about this before, but tangible uh, decline in um, sexual health as a result of Absolutely. the consum- like consumption yeah. of plastic. Now it's interesting. It- men's sexual health down the tube because of the amount of plastic we drink. That's right, and, and particularly in the area of again the way that plastic and the study that was done on Coca Cola that showed the way that a plast- the plastic their plastic pollution affected the world and affected remote communities communities as well ultimately yeah i just see this as a massive conflict of interest like the single the place where it is that action is supposed to be come up with about how to save the climate is sponsored by one of the greatest polluters of the climate um and and they're the lead sponsor as well i'm like is is then this uh, is this meeting going to lead or amount to anything, or is it just going to be a farce? Because ultimately, they've said they'll just give in to the people who are paying for it. I think these are huge questions that need to be asked, and we will see the outcome of it as the meetings roll. You're forward. listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM with the Double L team, Lila and Lawson. We're about to have another question for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. Where did King Saul die? Simply that. A, Gilboa, B, Goshen, C, Gob, or D, Gath. Oh, they all start with G. That's right. It's one of those. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. Do that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our Revive Cafe Cookbooks Volumes 5 and 6. If you want to be able to make tempeh rendang coconut curry or mini pumpkin frittatas, Give us a call, 0491-064-669. Of course, all the recipes in these recipe books are amazing, tasty, awesome, vegan, healthy, everything that you could possibly want from food in these meals. But again, that question was, where did King Saul die? Multiple choice. A, Gilboa, B, Goshen, C, Gob, or D, Gath. 0491-064-669. There's one you missed out. Oh, what? Golan. The Golan Heights, the 6th of October city that we were talking about earlier. Oh. Commemorates the 1973 Arab-Israeli war that was fought in the Sinai Peninsula and the Golan Heights. There you go. Mm. There's another one they missed out. You would wonder why they would... um, Okay, what was that? I was just going to say, there's another one they missed out. Golden. (laughs) Town that starts with G that's really cold all the time. (laughs) Okay, but the... uh, the, 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 (laughs) 6th of October city we're talking about, mm. commemorates the Arab-Israeli war. Egypt named their city the 6th of October city to commemorate that particular war in which they got smashed in three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering why. Now, that is history right there. Yeah. yeah. You know, history History is... Maybe it's to commemorate the fallen. History is truly created when we record our losses. Defeats. And that's what these guys have done. I mean, hey, we celebrate... We, we celebrate Anzac Day, Anzac Day, which was our greatest defeat. That's right. Amen. Um, or we commemorate it, I should mm. say. So maybe it's a commemoration. I don't know. After, if somebody's from Egypt and can help us out with this one, this is a piece of trivia that I would love to get to the bottom of this morning. Mm. But Why right is there now, a 6th of October city? Yeah. Is this a commemoration? Does it commemorate those who gave their lives? Or is this, was, is this a piece of propaganda to say, well, actually we won when everybody knows they There should be a 22nd of October city. Because it's my birthday. Um, yes, no. Coming up soon. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's talk about some more serious news here. And let's talk about the uh, Essendon Football Club. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I know it's holding, I know holding, what's off, going holding on. off on this one just to sort of, I really wanted to get my ducks in a row on this one to, to mm. try and figure out, okay, what exactly is going on down there? Mm-hmm. All right, so for those of you who may not have heard, Andrew Thorburn, mm-hmm. uh, 57 years old, was named CEO of the Essendon Football Club and he lasted less than 24 hours before he was sacked. Wow. Um, with the club saying, saying that the club had forced him to make a choice between his new position and his church. Okay, so yes, officially he resigned, but we all know he was actually sacked. He was forced mm. to. Who re- is? They gave him the choice: you can resign or be fired. Mm. So which one are you going to do? Mm. You know, we know how that works. That's the same as being sacked. Mm. Um, and the reason was that the church that he belongs to has affirms biblical teachings on gender and sexuality and believes marriage is defined as the union of one man and one woman. Mm. So he belongs to a church that teaches what all churches have taught for like 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. and he's sacked for that. 
I think it was like for me seeing the specific details of the case, like what it is that people were going after him for. It wasn't even statements that he had made. Now he. <clears throat> okay, so let me let me let me delve into this a little bit further because I did want to find out. All right, what's going on here? What does Thorburn stand for? What does the church stand for? What what actually mm. are the details here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we go. He made this statement. He says, Today it became clear to me that my personal Christian faith is not tolerated or permitted in the public square, Mm. at least by some and perhaps by many. Mm. I was being required to compromise beyond a level that my conscience allowed. People should be able to hold different views on complex personal and moral matters and be able to live and work together even with those differences and always with respect. Behaviour is the key. This is all important and part of a tolerant and diverse society. So this guy was uh, formerly... Uh, CEO of National Australia Bank. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's a heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, let me be clear. So this is his position. I love all people and have always promoted and lived an inclusive, diverse, respectful, supportive workplace mm. where people are welcomed regardless of their culture, religious beliefs, sexual orient- and sexual orientation. I believe my record over a long period of time testifies to this. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure you could look at the history of the NAB and you could see that right there. However, Dave Dave, uh, Barnum, who is president of the Essendon Football Club, said a 2013 sermon in which homosexuality was called a sin was the focus of the controversy. Mm. Thorben didn't preach that sermon. Mm -hmm. Thorben wasn't there. Mm. Thorben wasn't even a member of the church in 2013. This had nothing to do with Thorben. Mm. Dave Barnum goes on and he says this, the board made clear that despite these not being the views that Andrew Thorburn has expressed personally and that were also made prior to him taking up his role um, at City on Hill Church, he could not continue to serve in his dual roles at the Essendon Football Club and as chairman of City on Hill. So in other words, we found you innocent, therefore we are sacking you. Mm. Yikes! It's pretty heavy. So that was that was what as a Bar- Barnum said. Essendon. Is, okay, Barnum goes on. He says Essendon is committed to providing an inclusive, diverse, and safe club where everyone is welcome and respected, unless of course you are a Christian, mm. in which case you are ostracized, you are demonized, and you are fired, even for things that you don't believe and have not promoted yeah that's absolutely wild i think as well like this guy was what the ceo of national australia australia Bank. so so he's got references like Uh all you have to do is ask national australia bank who would definitely have lgbt people working for them and say hey was this guy like uh discriminatory and then they would obviously say no yes and then you'd be like, oh, okay, sweet, we can hire him. Okay. Oh, yes. Essendon, Essendon said in their statement that neither the board nor Thurban were aware of the comments from the 2013 sermon until they read them on Tuesday morning. Mm. So this is a sermon from when Thorben was not there. Mm. He did not hear the sermon. He did not preach the sermon. They are not his views. Uh, he has publicly stated they are not his views. He has a long track record that shows what his views are. His enemies agree that he was not there and agree that those were not his views. Mm -hmm. And he still gets sacked. Wow. This is the world which we live in right now. 
The Deputy Mayor of the City of Port Phillip Bay, Tim Baxter, okay, this might be where it's coming from, said he would rescind his club membership because a bisexual man, I cannot feel welcome in this club if Thorburn is there. Wow. How? How do you feel unwelcome? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he uh, Barnum went on to say, the club president, this is not about vilifying anyone for their personal religious beliefs. Really? But about a clear conflict of interest with an organisation whose views do not align with our values as a safe, inclusive, diverse and welcoming club. Well, I would hardly say that they are in any way inclusive. They have shown themselves to be the most exclusive club on the planet. Mm. Thorben said uh, in his statement, I believe we are, we are poorer for the loss of our great freedoms of thought, conscience and belief that made for a truly diverse, just and respectful community. Mm-hmm. So he believes in diversity, unlike the club. Yeah. You know what I really hope? What's that? I really hope that if there are any Christians playing for Essendon or a part of the F- Essendon organization, they should see this as they are not respected by their club and they should leave. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Like, just get out. Like, uh-huh. this, when, uh-huh. how long is it going to be until this happens to you? That's right. Mm. Uh, he goes on, he says, my faith is central to who I am. Since coming to faith in Jesus 20 years ago, I have seen profound change in my life, and I believe God wow. has made me a better husband, father, and friend. Mm. It has also helped me be a better leader. That is because at the center of my faith is the belief that you should create a community and care for people because they are created by and loved by God and have a deep intrinsic value. My role as CEO is to ensure that organizations I lead, uh, lead, and I think my record stands for this, are inclusive and welcoming and caring. That makes us a more human organization and makes us a higher performing organization. I haven't mm. been a perfect CEO. But my respect for people, my care, my love, my welcoming style, I welcome all these people. Look at my actions and look at my words as a leader and the organizations I've created to enable safe, diverse workplaces. Mm. Asked how he would respond to a gay player challenging him on the church's views, Thorben said, I would say thank you and I respect and care about you and you're welcome in this organization and I want to hear what you think and to ensure that you feel safe and can speak out. So I want people to know who I am and how I lead and how I engage. That's what they should rely on. Mm. It kind of reminds me of, well, how many times down through history ever since the crucifixion of Jesus have Christians been found innocent and then condemned for it? Mm. I mean, this is the height of injustice, but what we shouldn't really be surprised when we look at what Revelation teaches about the end of time, and we should see an increase in this, we should expect to see an increase in this kind of vilification, discrimination, and exclusiveness against any form of Christianity uh, in, an, in an increasingly secular society that is increasingly focused on sex mm. rather than productivity. Wow. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Correct. Yeah. And you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. We're going to have another clue for the quiz. What is the announcement of the second angel in Revelation? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. What is the announcement of the second angel 
in Revelation. 0491-064-669. Joining us on the phone this morning is Baron Neustraten. Baron has been a part of our show for a very long time talking about the book of Genesis, started off talking about creation, and we've been working our way through the book of Genesis ever since. It's his area of specialty. And we're up to Genesis chapter 41 this week, Baron. Tell us about where does this actually start? We've got these dreams of Pharaoh that have... Okay, that's 20%. He provides tremendous stories. Then ultimately, when the seven years of plenty are passed, people go to Pharaoh, and as people do, to the politicians, and say, look after us when things get tough. And Pharaoh says, go to Joseph, he will look after you. So he does. And what he does, he sells. He sells the produce. This is an agricultural society. This is a commodity trading, not in cash or we have money, didn't exist. And so here we have people that have to buy back their own tax. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant as well because this is not, he's not just handing out free handouts here. No. This is something that people have actually worked for and are going to value. Yeah, that's a very good point. And not only that, Treasury would be very happy with Joseph for what he had organized. Pharaoh would have been over the moon. The people had sufficient to eat, but because it did cost money, there was a modesty in handling. There was no, uh, what shall I say, presumption of an ongoing or a returning surplus. So they were very prudent and frugal, perhaps even, which freed up a lot of provisions also for the surrounding nations which then brings the family of Joseph into the picture. So we, this, this should never be actually broadcast by radio because if politicians learn about they can raise the taxes and then tax them again on those taxes, uh, that's uh, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't say that on air. Definitely shouldn't say that on air. Uh, yeah. But when you talk about, okay, so when you talk about the other nations that come in and when we look at the history of Egypt, we think we typically think of you know, dynasty after dynasty after dynasty of fabulous wealth, wealth beyond imagination, just a, a country that is flowing with gold. But not all dynasties were that wealthy. And no, you've know, got but... some dynasties where the Hyksos just walked in and completely took over and and, yeah. and ruled the place themselves. You've got other dynasties where the Ethiopians, the Abyssinians came up from the south yeah. and they ruled Correct. the whole of Egypt. And so you've got, you know, the, the, the fortunes of Egypt vary. But what you have here under the, under the rule of Joseph is possibly the foundations of the legendary wealth that we think of when we think of Egypt because this is an event that is going to put Egypt far and above all of the surrounding countrysides because they're all being affected by the drought. You know, if if the Nile is not rising, that means that there is no rain in Ethiopia. And what we've got to remember is that Ethiopia was a massive and powerful empire and a wealthy empire. And so if you've got no rain down there, then all of those people are going to be travelling to where the grain is as they are coming down from Palestine as well. Correct. Can you imagine the raising of, uh, of, of income? That would have been fantastic. So, yes, yeah. we think of Egypt as being a place of fabulous wealth and Joseph's answers to these dreams would have really, and you know, God's intervention here really has given Egypt yeah. a massive boost. There's one very interesting thing about all of this before we go. You know, Joseph is put in a place of tremendous privilege. He virtually could do anything he liked. 
clearly is always in my mind. So he marries, and we can talk about that. She was not obviously of his people. She was the daughter of a priest of the pagan rites and beliefs. She might have converted, and I dare say she would have. He has his two sons, as we know, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the meanings of the names are very indicative of how he felt. Mm. But he makes no effort to return to his father to let him know that he's still alive. He also makes no effort to take his revenge on Potiphar. No, isn't he lucky? And so you've got a man here who is who is literally the grand vizier of the empire, who is fabulously popular with the people and yes. with the leadership, who who carries Pharaoh's seal. Yeah. He can yeah. act in the name of Pharaoh himself. Oh, yes. He is the prime minister of the empire. What does it what does it say about Joseph that he doesn't contact his family and he doesn't take revenge on Potiphar? Yeah, so his former his former master becomes actually his servant, and there's no record of any. And it wouldn't he wouldn't have taken. And I think the two things are related. He takes no revenge. He accepts God's fearing of events, if you like. Yes to which he gives voice later on to his brothers, God meant it for good. And I think even his presence in Egypt and where God has placed him, he accepts that to the point that he leaves the decision to inform his father into a God-appointed time sometime in the future. I think that says a lot of the man. It really does, and it's such a massive lesson for us. How many of yeah. us would have been like, okay, I really want to see my family again, yeah. but I'm just going to leave this yeah. to God. Let God decide when and how. That's what he did. Marvellous, really. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What, what a huge lesson that we can learn from that right there. Amen to that. Okay, so we've got this story, famine comes, <laughs> and yeah. the years of plenty come. They, they tax the people 20% of their crops. The people don't mind yeah. because they've got more than they can handle anyway, so why not? Yeah. It all Doesn't goes into hurt. storage, and then you've got an environment in which they are able to buy it back. This is not a socialist economy. This is no. an economy which recognises the dignity of labour. This is an economy that at the same time provides for yeah. the needs of the people. It's a public service, isn't it, really? Yes. Good, prudent handling of the economy and the resources and the people, very important. To have in mind the well-being of the people, doing effectively and practically all that is needful and, and possible. Wonderful. Yeah. Great example of, yeah. of rulership. Fantastic stuff, Baron. We do look forward to continuing this story next week and to seeing where it ends up. We're, we're getting to the uh, to the really interesting part of the story, of course, where Joseph's brothers turn up, where they start to face some starvation, but that's for another chapter. Baron, yeah. thank you so much for joining us here on, on The Breakfast Show this morning. Pleasure. God bless. That was Baron Neustraten talking about the book of Genesis, particularly chapter 41. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back after this song. We'll be back after the 8 o'clock news with our Encounter with God Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.